as a leader in business or in the corporate space. Your tenure in such a position is interconnected to your ability to motivate and humanize yourself to the people that you're charged with serving. If you don't believe me, take a gander of these numbers from Gallup. According to a July survey of last year, it found that 70% of the variance in employee engagement can be attributed to managers. What's the translation? Well, it's simple. Your ability to make sure that you show your team that you are on the same page regardless of how much money you make is key to your longevity. Jake Thompson helps leaders to increase their performance and for their teams to gain a competitive advantage. He accomplishes this by helping teams in business and corporate spaces develop a grit mindset and acquire the skills necessary to compete in a hyper-competitive world. Do you have the core principles and wherewithal to succeed in today's business climate? And do you have the vision to develop a team of transformational leaders which will ultimately make your job in management easier? Well, if you need some help in this very subject, I'm glad you stopped by today because Thompson took some time out to help us all develop our mindset in order to win. I'm Kevin McShann. Let's have this conversation. Excited to be here. So honored for the opportunity. And yeah, looking forward to jamming with you for a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, Jake, as you uh, uh, know from reading about me, buddy, I help business people maximize their fullest potential when it comes to hiring folks with disabilities. And I know that you help business people and entrepreneurs and those in the corporate space and sort of developing their culture, mentality, and, and mindset, buddy, in order to gain a competitive advantage. So I, I, I'm wondering if you can tell me about the good work that you do and why you think it makes such a difference in moving the needle of progress forward. 
Yeah. So uh, as you said, I, we focus on how do we help people maximize their performance and their teams. And really the way I look at it is it starts with the foundation of how do you lead yourself? How do you build the mindset to one, not only be a leader for others, but leading yourself more effectively with your discipline, with your goals, with how you show up every day. And I think a lot of times in society, especially today, man, you think about social media, we get caught in the comparison trap. And we're living our life in this comparison trap that on one hand, there's always someone behind you. And so it inflates your ego and, and tricks you into being complacent. And on the other hand, there's someone always someone ahead of you. And that can spur you on or it can frustrate and demotivate you and, and make you feel less than. And so what we try to do is really initiate the conversation with how are you comparing yourself with who you were yesterday? How are you competing every day with yourself today to be better than you were the day before? And so we we build this framework of leading oneself. And then from that, we talk about how as a culture, if everybody is starting to buy into this idea of every day, I compete with myself to be better. How do then we link arms to get more out of each other, more out of the progress? Because we know this. We know from athletics, we know from sports that if you and I, we were going to go do just a uh, you know, workout together and we do it by ourselves, we'll go hard. We'll push ourselves in a workout. But if you have a workout partner, you go a little bit harder. Push yourself a little bit more. You got a little bit more of that encouragement. Or you're trying to match their intensity. And so we know from a standpoint of performance, people perform better with others. And so we, what we want to do is help people understand they're not in competition with others, but they use each other to grow and sharpen. And that the foundational competition is with yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, leaving from what you just said, I'm curious to follow up by asking you, what does it mean to you to maximize potential both personally and professionally? Yeah. So the, the actual things we're going to focus on is how do you talk to yourself? That's a big one. Nobody talks to you on a daily basis more than yourself. So how can you rein in and understand your self-talk and the power in it? We don't control the thoughts we have. We control the thoughts we listen and respond to. So one, how do we maximize our performance? The better our self-talk is, the more grateful, optimistic we are, the more optimistic we are, the more opportunities we can take advantage of. We shift gears and we talk a lot about discipline and teeny tiny daily habits. So looking at what I call the can't see choices we make in life, the things that you make choices on that I never see, the things I make choices on that you never see. However, over time, we understand can't see choices stack to create can't miss results. In a physical sense, if we set a goal, hey, our goal this year, we want to lose a little weight. Every morning, we're presented with a can't see choice to reach over and hit the snooze button when the alarm goes off or to get up and go work out. And in that moment in our bed, nobody sees us make that decision. Nobody knows we made it unless, you know, we take a selfie at the gym or we post something on social media or we see somebody we know. Otherwise, nobody knows. However, over the course of six to 12 months, we 100% see the results of the choices you made. If you were consistent making that choice sleeping in, we see what you look like. If you were consistent working out, we see what you look like. And in business, it's the same way. The can't see choices to spend time building your prospects. 
and reaching out to them or practicing your sales call. The choices as a leader to invest in yourself and develop yourself in order to bring a better version and be able to better coach and manage up your team. We don't see you make that choice, but we start to see the fruits of that choice over time within your organization and your people. And so really, we've got to start with how we talk to ourselves, that internal piece we talk about, how do we build the daily habits to reinforce the self-talk and the mindset we want to build. And then finally, from a, a maximizing performance standpoint, we then look at process. You know, we're obsessed with the outcome, the final sale, the goal, the end all, be all, top of the mountain, but it's the climb. It's the race. It's the process to get to that outcome that's actually more important because we only control how we show up in the process. In sales, we don't control the person on the other end of the phone. We control how well did we prepare, how well did we research, how well did we present our case, how well did we provide that our solution works, and how consistent were we in building a relationship that's not about me needing a sale, but more about me providing you a solution for your problem. All of those things are within our control. We just don't control the outcome. However, if we become people that maximize control of the process and get better at it every day, those outcomes become inevitable. Yeah, indeed. And, uh, and Rick, as I mentioned at the outset of our uh, conversation, so I uh, have cerebral palsy, and I also, yep. uh, outside of hosting this podcast, I work with businesses to amplify the hiring of folks with uh, disabilities. It's a personal passion of mine, both personally and professionally. And I'm curious, in the context of the workplace, how do you um, define inclusivity and how do you think we can infuse more folks with disabilities into the, into the workforce? Yeah, so the way I look at in terms of diversity and inclusion is the diversity of not only different races, different backgrounds, but different one experiences, different belief systems, different like you said, abilities and, and challenges you might have in that. And I think the best way we all start is education. I think there's probably a lot of challenges that you would face with business owners who probably don't understand, one, what adaptations they need to make as a business owner to help facilitate success for an individual with a disability or cerebral palsy. At the same token, once they understood it, I think they're more inclined to have those opportunities and add new team people. I think a lot of times we don't see change because a lot of people are ignorant, um, knowingly or, or unknowingly, about what others can still capable do, what others are possible to do, regardless of whether we're talking someone um, who has a challenge or someone who comes from, say, even you look at from an educational background, no college degree. A lot of people don't even consider incredibly talented people unless they have a college degree. And we've seen that landscape change dramatically over the years that that you don't necessarily you don't have to have a college degree to be successful. But a lot of people are so ingrained with what they've always seen and what they've always known. They've never been educated or taught about other opportunities in terms of hiring or how styles of work can be done or strength sets that they don't know what they don't know. And when we don't know what we don't know, we tend to stick with what's comfortable and what we do know. And so I think the first step is really educating of, hey, this isn't a challenge. This isn't harder for you as a business owner or a business leader within a culture. This is actually something that helps everyone and, and can help your company continue to thrive. Here's how. And that's that big piece of that educational process of helping people better understand what they don't know. And I, and I think about the book by Adam Grant, 
I'm looking to see if it's on my bookshelf behind me. Think again. I think it's upstairs. It's called Think Again. It's all about the power of knowing what you don't know and how great leaders today are constantly looking for conversations like this of like, educate me. Like, how can I learn? Tell me more about, tell me more about the work you do. Tell me what you see on your end uh, from that diversity, from that inclusivity and how companies have made it successful. Tell me also where it hasn't been successful. So we know what to be aware of in the hiring process as well. And so those are all about these conversations like this of you doing, I think you told me over 650 episodes now, which is freaking awesome because most people don't even get past 10 or 15 episodes and you're crushing it. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. And, and just building on that, how do you think we can uh, get employers or those in position of powers to sort of eliminate their attitudinal barriers uh, to diversifying the workforce? Yeah, so I think you've got a, a couple of areas. One, it's going to be how do you educate and show the value of that? Um, because at the end of the day, the business owners are always thinking, most of them are always thinking of how do we add value to the bottom line? How do we add values to our teams? And so it's being able to tell that story throughout the hiring process of where the value is, not only for the hiree, but for the organization, what that diversity does to enhance the organization's thought, what it does to enhance their productivity, their progress. You know, I think considering the times we're in right now, uh, dealing with a recession, dealing with a lot of industries and organizations being hesitant to do anything out of the ordinary or anything new because they're scared to fail at it and, and the margin for failure is so small. It's how do you show that the upside far outweighs any negative downside? And that's really with, you know, trying anything new. And for, like we said, there's a lot of organizations and business owners that haven't had that experience for it uh, or hiring and they haven't even probably considered it as an opportunity because they haven't been taught Hey, here's someone excelling in this same position in another company. Here's how this company successfully hired and transitioned someone in. And so I think the best way you're doing it is, is things like this. It's conversations. It's getting probably more targeted business owners um, with larger teams and opportunities to be able to have those conversations. I think it's, it's building relationships and networking on places like LinkedIn and showcasing examples of here's how people have, have hired. Here's how companies have done it successfully. Here's an example of an employee who's thriving and here's what they've done. Because those are the type of stories we know at the end of the day that stories do a way better job selling than statistics. Statistics are great, but it's the stories, it's the human element. And so for a lot of people, they just need to be exposed to the human element that they are completely unaware of, 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 of its existence, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. And Jake, you know, there's, there's a sign in my office upstairs that says, life is a constant game of networking but i look at it every morning because i believe if you want something to happen you have to make it happen on your own and, and it's important yes to have mentors but it's also important to be invested in the process of you isn't it so tell me about the advantages and the importance of networking because i know you think it's a vital part of success, isn't it? 100%. Yeah, the the relationships you build and more importantly, the relationships you work to cultivate are vital. I think of so many opportunities. I mean, I even think of opportunities over the last two weeks I've had from relationships built. Um, 
you know, I had a speaker who's been a friend of mine for years. I got to network and build relationship with, couldn't do a keynote. So I had the opportunity to step in and do a keynote for him. Helps him, helps the client. Um, I had another one with somebody I'd linked up with on LinkedIn a while back and just followed and engaged with and an opportunity was there. But but really more than anything, I think what networking does is not only create business opportunities for us, it creates growth opportunities because it exposes us to people from different backgrounds, different experiences, different knowledge, and helps expand our really worldview, our knowledge, our conversations. It, it impacts the quality of our conversations. And we know that so much of the world is caught up in the the surface level, the social media, the highlight reels and things like that, that we fail to get into quality conversations of things like this. And we miss out on that. We miss out on opportunities to better know people, better learn from people. Um, and so I, I'm 100% all in on the networking online and offline opportunity and wish more people took advantage of it rather than utilizing what they would see as offline networking events or social media simply to promote themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Ray, I want to revisit the concept of being po uh, personally motivated because, you know, I truly believe that you have to be invested in the process of you and how much personal motivation will allow you to sort of contribute to your own competitive advantage. So I'm wondering how much you believe that personal motivation and sort of uh, your own drive is important to your uh, success. Yeah, so I, I here here's what I love about when we get into conversations about motivation. I think the personal motivation and the why, that inner fire, that reason for growth uh, or purpose or mission, I think is vital. I think it's essential. I think, however, we tend to confuse the the drive, the purpose with the feeling of motivation. And the feeling of motivation is very fleeting. I wake up some days super motivated to get up and attack the days and I wake up other days where I do not feel motivated to do it. And so I have to dig into what is my purpose, what is my why, and lean on that for discipline in those moments. And so I think there's a lot of us that fail to actually sit down and, and look for a purpose or motivation of why we do what we do. And I've had these conversations with people who will compare my work to their work. And my work is very different than maybe their job in a, in a traditional nine to five. And I tell them, I said, everybody has a purpose for the work they do and the life they live. And you've got to understand what that motivation and that purpose is, because it is the thing that's going to get you through the hard days. When you're dealing with a frustrated customer or a toxic teammate, what is the thing that gets you to go back? And so what I look at it is that why piece, that internal motivation is crucial to having the grit and resilience to, to really succeed in life. The feeling of motivation, however, on the other hand, is something that's far and away overrated. Uh, yeah, so let, let, let's dive into sort of, you talked earlier about habits and creating a habit that, that provides you a competitive edge. So tell me, what's the key in your opinion to develop a winning culture, and how much is it uh, contingent upon uh, sort of developing habits that are uh, consistent and sustainable? Yeah, so I, I think all of that comes in in terms of building that competitive advantage. I think it all starts at the top. As a leader, are you investing in your people? 
Are you investing in getting to know them beyond a number on a payroll and seeing them as people and what they want to achieve? And then from that, once you've invested in the relationship, are you invested in developing them, improving them, seeing them grow instead of, are you just getting the job done to help me win? And that's a big piece from that, that advantage. Then from that, once we've understood who the people are, we know what their motivations, their drive, their, their goals are, then we can focus in on process. And what are we doing every day to build that successful process and why it connects to what we do today with where we're trying to go? That's a, an incredibly crucial part because I think a lot of people are working today and they're going to jobs and they know what they're supposed to do to get to not get fired. But they don't know why their work actually matters to the success of the client or the team. And, and they really don't know how what they're doing today is helping them get to where they want to be 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now. And that's on leaders to really create a winning culture where people feel empowered. They feel valued. They feel like their work makes a difference. And most of all, their work is helping them get to where they want to be in life, either financially, career-wise, location, you name it. And that's really core components because once you get that, then you have everybody buying into a bigger goal, a bigger vision. Some of that selfishness that's so innate in us simmers down to more of a selfless approach to helping us win or impact the customer. And that's really what starts to transform organizations and their levels of success. Yeah, and I, I know that one of your core beliefs that, is that organizational problems aren't unique. It's about shifting the mindset and promoting yep. employees, as you just said, to leadership positions. And, you know, you know, one thing I always tell when I talk to business people, I, I, I talk about the, the importance of sort of deferring trust to the people that you work under you. And I know that uh, you, you're a believer of creating a great mindset for everyone in the organization. So I wonder if you can dive into that for me this afternoon. Yeah, so uh, rewarded behavior is repeated behavior. And in order to get people to shift their mindset, you have to sometimes start with the behaviors. Sometimes they have to see it before they believe it. And the way you start to shift those behaviors is identify where there is room for growth. So one of the easiest ways is if you have individuals on the team that maybe lack confidence. It's looking for opportunities to give them a little bit of responsibility, to give them some work. And then on the back end, encouraging specifics on that of how they had confidence in that moment or how you saw them display confidence in that work, which helps them start to build a more confident mindset because now not only have they seen the progress steps they've put in, but they're getting verbal praise from who they report to that's reinforcing that and more opportunities build more confidence. So that's a big one. The other piece is making sure that your culture is not just values and mission statements that are on a wall, but are actually lived and praised daily. You know, everybody wants to have their mission statement on a wall and here's what we're about and here's what we value. But at the end of the day, they don't live it. The leaders don't live it. Their lifestyles, their actions are very different from what's on the wall. And so you have to make sure there's an alignment with who you say you want to be with who you actually are. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I know we both do some motivational speaking so selfishly my next question is is a little bit about personal growth as motivational speakers because i know that you've been doing it for a while and not all motivational speakers uh, speak on the same topic so i'm wondering your pieces of advice for any uh motivational speakers who may be watching or listening to this and about the importance of really finding about 
the value you can add to whoever you speak to adding a roadmap for sort of sort of becoming a successful speaker. Yeah, the the one thing I'll say for anyone listening that that is doing it or aspiring to do it. At the end of the day, nobody, and this sounds pretty harsh, but at the end of the day, nobody cares about your story. They care about how you can help them succeed. And so when you go into it, there's a lot of people that want to get into the space that have a cool story. But what companies are looking for is how can we create change? How can you help us solve our problems? How can you help our people be better? And as much as we're connected to our story, sometimes we fail to see how that story helps someone else other than kind of inspire them in that moment. And so what we have to do as speakers is understand that the motivation is is somewhat fleeting, but solutions that we can provide and ways we can actually help organizations change, that's what lasts. And so if that's a career you're starting, you're in, you want to do more of, always start at it, not with what my story is and all about me, but how can I help? And that is the biggest question at the end of the day for a leader, for a motivational speaker, for anyone. How can I help someone else today? And when you start looking at it through that lens of what do I know, what can I do, who can I connect with, everything in your world starts to change. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that one of the things that we mutually agree on when we talk to leaders, Jake, is the importance of listening as a leader because I I, I think you can't serve the people that work under you if you don't listen to them effectively. Would you agree with that? 100%. Yeah, you've got to be a great listener and not someone who's just hearing, waiting to respond. And tell me about how it boosts morale if you're a great listener as a leader. I'm fascinated to get your answer there. Uh, I mean, it boosts morale because people feel seen, they feel heard, they feel like you're actually seeing who they are versus just kind of nodding along. I mean, that's I think that's power in any relationship. To be honest, is people want to know that they're they've been seen, and that you hear them, and that it's not just in one ear and out the other, but you truly see them for who they are and what they're trying to do. And so that's why, as a leader, you got to have great listening skills and, and start to focus in on that. Yeah, and all of that is to say, Jason, I'm, I'm curious to also ask you, how do you think you define transformational leadership? I mean, transformational leadership just at the end of the day is can you help people change? That's all it is. Can you help people change and transform, hopefully, into a better version of themselves? That's usually when people talk about that. That's the way I go to because you look at transformational, it's change, it's growth. And so, as a leader, are you someone who can develop other people into a better version of themselves or not? And that's really where it separates itself. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when we look at the concept of encouragement, both in leadership and business and in life, my friend, I'm Curious to ask you, how do you think encouragement can be uh, used as a catalyst to increase production? Yeah, I, I think encouragement when specific and praise for specific action is actually appreciated most. And, and for anything, encouragement is simply inspiring courage in others, which means to take action when you're afraid, when you're uncomfortable, when you're worried. And so encouragement for a lot of people, they've never been given it. And so as a leader, You've got to be able to challenge people as well. You can't just be all encouragement. You have to challenge. You have to hold people accountable and to standards. But 
There's a huge piece in that encouragement of picking people up on rough days or praising behavior that you see as process driven, even if they're not getting the outcomes yet that they want. And so I think encouragement is a vital part of being a, a leader, especially on the transformational side. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, to that point, I'm curious, curious how you view the concept of accountability and vulnerability and whether you think those two things are interconnected. Uh, I think I think they're both interconnected. They're both vital from a leadership standpoint because unless you've connected with people, which requires vulnerability, you can't lead them. You can't coach them. You can't develop them because people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so that is a huge piece of the process is to build the relationship and be vulnerable to do that. And then at that point, once you've earned that trust, that relationship, you can hold them accountable. And that's where I think a lot of people get it backwards is they hold them accountable without building the relationship first. But that core component, the foundational piece of relationship is vital to being more effective as a leader and being able to hold people accountable. Yeah, and, and Jake, just talking to you for the last 20 minutes or so, buddy, I, I'm picking up on the fact that you value both energy and enthusiasm. And, and, and being a keynote speaker and a business coach, I know that that's important to you. So tell me, where is your individual passion for uh, the work you do and the energy and enthusiasm come from? Where does that uh, come from for you personally? But I say probably that internal motivation. I believe I've been given uh, a, an opportunity to help others. I believe I've been blessed with some specific talents and, and just people that have come into my life and I feel I owe it to them and to others to help them. And so what motivates me every day, what gives me that fire is just the opportunity to help people change their mindset, which changes how they show up, which changes the actions they take and over time changes the life they live. And more than that, at the end of the day, the life they live is what they leave behind from a legacy and who they impact. And so I wake up every day with just the fire to say, can I help one person today? change how they see themselves, change how they show up, and hopefully better impact those people around them. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Jake, if I gave you a, a stopwatch to stop time in this current moment, then you could fix one societal issue that really, I don't want to say irritates or annoys you, but really gets under your skin and you want to see a better bridge of I think the biggest thing we have from a challenge standpoint, at least in the work that I do and what I see most often, is a failure to take ownership of one's choices in life. I think we we don't control the cards we're dealt. We don't control the circumstances we are born into, we find ourselves in. But at some point in life, we do control what choices we've made in response to that. We determine how we choose to see the world. We choose what actions we take. And so I think one of the biggest challenges is people avoid taking the responsibility for the life and the choices they have. And they live in a victim mentality uh, that just kind of suffers in, in cycles um, and more people around it. I think if more people took ownership of life and the choices they made and their opportunities, more people would find fulfillment in their pursuit. We would have stronger, more effective leadership in multiple areas within the country. Um, and I think we would have a much better world where people 
were probably more likely to help each other and look out for each other because they saw the responsibility of their actions and the opportunities they have. Yeah, absolutely. And I think in the few minutes I have left with you, but I'm going to share a quick story with you. So I found out at nine years old that I couldn't, wouldn't be able to walk because of my uh, disability. And I had to internalize that because the way I found out was during the process of my last uh, operation. Uh, the doctor who had performed my operation put myself and my parents in a conference room in the hospital, uh, and he went through the success of the surgery, what, what right, what wrong, and at the end of it, he said, he stopped my parents before uh, we walked out of the conference room, and he said, at the end of it, we've done everything we can do for Kevin, but unfortunately, he won't be able to walk for the rest of his life. And the next day, you know, I had to go back to school. And I was called to the principal's office because she knew what I was going through the previous day. And I got to her office and she had made a big space in the middle of her office for my wheelchair and everything, or everyone who was assigned to my file from social workers to teachers to therapists were there. And I went the story of what the doctor had told myself and my parents and then she stopped me at the end of the story and she said to me the only limitations in life are the artificial ones you place uh, on yourself so the question is about resilience and how you look at the concept of re resilience my friend it is the ability to be a rubber band it is the ability to bounce back it is the understanding that we don't control the challenges we face, the challenges you face, but we do determine, do we get back up, keep going and choose to be optimistic and take control of what's in our control. And so resilience is something that I think the world got a big shakeup on the last few years that they weren't ready for. Um, but it's really nothing more than our ability to bounce back. When you get hit with something unexpected, a, a painful diagnosis, a, a divorce, laid off from a job, will you choose to get back up or will you choose to lie there? And that's really where I see resilience. And it is a, more than anything, it's a muscle, but it's a choice we have to make. And the ones who make that choice over and over and over again are the ones that seem to be more successful in life. And we tend to wonder what their special talent or ability or how somebody can go through that situation and have such a good attitude and spirit. And what they fail to see is they have the same opportunity to make those choices. They just haven't yet. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm also curious to ask you about the response after COVID for business people and the workforce in general. In general, what do you think we can learn from going through the COVID pandemic and what sort of perspective can we gain better um you know i think everybody's still trying to figure that out to be honest with you uh you know the work from home debate uh is still kind of highly engaged i think the biggest lesson for a lot of companies is to understand a couple things one you can't go month to month financially. You got to build a nest egg. You got to have a rainy day fund, especially if you're a contractor. I think the other piece of it is just understanding you've got to be flexible and focus on what's in your control. And there's always going to be things thrown at you in business and in life that are outside of your control that force you to adapt. 
can you be resilient and adapting to that? Can you, can you call some audibles and make some changes or not? Because nothing's ever going to be perfect. And next year, something crazy could happen. This year, something crazy could happen that everybody's unexpected for. But the businesses that continue to keep growing and thriving are the ones who keep finding a way to bounce back. Um, and I know small businesses were hit the hardest in this. I saw it. I have small business owner friends. I'm a small business owner. And they just got crushed in a number of different cities and states. Um, but a lot of them still had the spirit to get up, keep going. And so I find a lot of inspiration from that. Yeah, absolutely. And Jake, you know, my final question for you has to do with your own personal passion in life. And how do you think it, it's sort of interconnected or tied to your overall legacy in life and how you want that to be defined both personally and professionally. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, the the way I think about my legacy is is pretty simple. Did I do everything I can with what I had to help others? And I think at the end of the day, it's not about the money I've made, the keynotes I've done, but the lives hopefully I've impacted. And I hope when I'm buried, as I've told my wife, I hope you have a party. I hope you drink wine, maybe a good tequila. I hope you celebrate my life, but more than anything, I hope people have stories of how I was able to help them be better. And that's all I care about at the end of the day is can I help someone else be better? Yeah, life is all about uh, paying it forward, right? That's right. Absolutely, my friend. And uh, tell me about all the books behind you, buddy, because I know you're an avid reader. So why uh, is reading so important to you? Uh, reading is so important because it speeds up the learning process, right? It speeds up the path to success. Other people have done some things that I want to do. Other people have great insights. They have different perspectives. And so I'm always reading to learn about others, learn about their success, have my viewpoints or ideas challenged. Um, and so, yeah, the bookshelf pretty full behind me with a, a number of options as I'm little by little working through, but I've got everything from sales to, personal finance to, you know, mental performance, sports psychology to leadership biographies. So I'm always reading. I'm like 12 books into this year already on February 9th. And, and the goal is like every year I want to be over 30. Uh, so I'm just chipping away every day. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, since you brought up the, the concept of perspective, you know, I, I'm always a big believer that uh, perspective from other people is the way uh, that you grow. You know, I always yep. tell myself, the day I stop learning is the day that I die. Because no matter how smart I am, or how many years of schooling I have, or something like that, you can always learn from other people. So talking about the value of uh, valuing perspectives from other people, from your lens of things as well. I mean, it's huge. It just helps you eliminate your blind spots. It helps you see things in a new light that you didn't see before or someone who went through different experiences that you can't relate to. And so that's that's where I think that's so incredibly valuable is to speed up your path to success by learning from someone else who's already walked that way versus feeling like you have to repeat it. Yeah, absolutely. And finally, Jake, tell me, if people want to get connected with your body, what's the best way they can do that? Yeah, best way to get connected, my website's jakeathompson.com and then on LinkedIn and Instagram, which is really the two places I tend to hang out, it's 
Jake Thompson speak. So shoot me a note. If anything that we talked about today uh, resonated, you want to have a chat more with, would love to have that conversation and and really appreciate you just having me on today and, and initiating the chat. Fantastic. Well, I want to thank you for the good work that you do to make a difference in the lives of other people and to really maximize our performance, both inside and outside of the workforce, my friend, your time on my behalf and words in the space is most appreciated. And I want to thank you for being here today. Appreciate it very much. I hope you have a great day. I hope everyone listening got some value from our chat today.